Good afternoon, everyone. It will actually, it's almost evening, and this is David from the iFloat Radio podcast. And I'm sitting here with Devon Pervez. He is an avid iFloater, and it's a real pleasure to have Devon here on the iFloat Radio podcast. So, Devon, thanks for being here. Thank you very much, David. I'm happy to be here. We were just experimenting with some different equipment, and I just said, screw the equipment, we're going to go right through the computer and, and record this podcast, and uh, we're really excited excited to do that. And uh, Devon, how long have you been floating? Just about a year now. I came here in January the first time, last year, or this year, actually. Yeah, okay, so it's been... This is the 12th month. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while, so you've... You're about to celebrate your one-year iFloat mm-hmm. anniversary. We'll have to get a cake or something for you. Or, <laughs> or maybe like a special tea with like a candle on top or something. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so let's just jump right in because earlier we were talking a little bit about uh, your float session today. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to talk a little bit about that, because I think what you mentioned to me was something I was actually thinking of writing about today or tomorrow, which is about like image imagery and images that, that people see in their flow session. So whatever you want to talk about, you know, feel free. Like what, what we're, what is it? Talk about your flow today. I think it was an interesting flow from what you started to mention. Well, usually when I'm floating, I always have a, a moment where I just sort of let go and I don't really know what's going on. I'm not really aware of anything external or internal. It's just there. I'm just there and it's happening. Um, and I, like I said, I always have a moment where I'm floating or where I let go. And today that didn't really happen. My mind was racing throughout the entire float, throughout the entire hour. And there were only a couple of instances where I just, I let go for one second, but I couldn't really make that connection. And, but interestingly enough, these times today, a couple of images popped into my head. One being an explosion of fire, but not just any fire. It was like, it was like a painting on a canvas of fire mixed with oranges and reds and stuff. And then a short while later, the same thing, but it was an explosion of water. And it was blue, just like the bluest water you can see. I didn't really know what to think of that, but I felt like... Um, like I felt like there was no break between the float tank and the the world, the outside world. Like it was just mixed together today. And I couldn't really, it it was just a different experience overall. It was something new. I didn't really understand what was going on. So when you say there is no distinction between being in there, being out here, can you just talk a little bit about that? What what does that mean to you? Um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Usually when I'm in there, it's, it's, it's comforting and I have solitude in there, and that area inside of the float tank is totally separate from everything else that's going on. And I didn't feel that today. Yeah. I didn't feel that today. It wasn't a bad feeling, but it was just something that I couldn't wrap my head around just yet. Well, I'm going to have to tell you that that we you know we do this for everybody at their 12 month mark where we 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 flash these images of like of fire and water just just to kind of like mess with them a little bit and take them to the next level. And as a personal trainer, I think you would appreciate that, you know, just to catch Absolutely. people off guard. Yeah. Absolutely. I have fun with that. It's interesting that you say that because 
I always tell people that floating is not about escaping from anything. It's actually about relationships. Mm-hmm. Flo- floating, strangely enough, bec- even though people are on their own in there, they're actually sorting through how they are in relation to the world. And generally, that's about how we are in relation to people because although it's nice to be in, in think of a, a relationship with like a rock in our backyard, mm-hmm. it's not particularly interesting. Generally, what, <laughs> what's interesting to people is not the rock in the backyard, right. but the people, people in their life and... Uh, I think that that it's interesting that you had that that realization. Fire and water. What what might that have represented exactly to you? Hmm, that's a, quite a good question. Well, what I don't does know. what does fire? When, when you think of fire, what is what what comes up to your mind? Hmm, taking action, hmm. like the fire in your eye or something. Taking action and standing up and taking control of something of your life really and what about the about water or at least that image of water the blue blue water hmm that is a good question even more i don't know if you were to take a guess <laughs> take a guess there's no right or wrong answer when um, it comes to this kind of thing maybe maybe everything else that's going on when you're not uh, in control like liquid, it's liquid, the stuff that's moving through the cracks that you're not really aware of. And each of those images happened when you saw that you had let go in there. Was that it? Only for a short second. For a short second, yeah. Only for a short second. And that's the first time ever that I've seen that inside of there, at least. It's interesting, too, because the what we were talking about before you went in was about you taking action in your in your family relationships, right? It's like I, what I noticed in in talking to you before you went in was, and I mentioned this to you, that what you were communicating and the action that you took in your relationship was one of trying to find solution. And I mentioned that I don't always pay attention to what people are saying with their words, but I'm paying attention to what people are saying, what's underneath their words, and. What I saw or heard in what you were talking about was a desire to actually take action on something. And what's also interesting in both of those images is this is this duality. And I talk to people about that a lot in here. The yin-yang symbol is a symbol of, of the, the feminine and the masculine energies. And it's not a static symbol in the sense that uh, it doesn't actually just stay put. If, if one were to imagine it being alive, it would mm-hmm. be spinning. And, it, and if it was spinning, it would be probably it would probably look black. But there's a white side and a, and a black side. And there's in life there's a t- there's a time for action and a time for inaction. And there's this space in between both of those places. And uh, I was interesting re- when yeah, you put ahead. it. It's interesting when you put it like that. The yin yang, right? But and they're spinning. It's almost like they're clinging together because mm-hmm. they need each other to work right, work properly. Yeah, it's an that's interesting right. image when you put it like that. But in regards to what we're talking about, yeah. And the thing is, is each person has those aspects or energies in them, in the sense that there is a time to be 
acting in a time to not be acting. And oftentimes what these images are that come through to us in a flow session or in our dreams, they are pointing at places where there might be an imbalance. So for example, or even in the body, we were talking before about how how there are pains in the body that manifest when there's an imbalance in, in the mind body. Because to me, like the minds and the body are one. And I was, I was talking about, uh, gosh, I got an email from a guy yesterday who was in my uh, intro to rewrite class a few weeks ago. And he talked about how after the class, he noticed how he's, he's communicating with his mother really differently. And uh, in such a way that he told me that this pain in his neck that's been bothering him for the last year or two after this particular communication that took place yesterday, which was really just him not hiding behind like a rock in regards to his mother. Uh, when he actually was like, okay, let me just, let me just be upfront about what's going on mm-hmm. for me in regards, you know, it was just, a, it was a simple thing, but it was, I think the first time in a long time or maybe ever where he just kind of held that line. He told me that at one point he noticed that the, this pain in his neck was gone. And that was really interesting or an example of action right there. That's an example of fire, of, of somebody actually taking action in regards to another person in their life. But the water is important or the inaction is important in order for us to slow down and reflect. And I think that in our society, generally the people who are coming in here are uh, deficient in the in the, the yin, that meaning that they're not – slowing down enough to actually reflect upon where it is they're they're transmitting their fire mm-hmm. because everybody's transmitting their their yang or their fire energy but sometimes it's uh it's it's a little bit too much um, well well i mean we we've been talking about this for a while and i've sort of been taking uh a better stance on my life and sort of gaining control since the summertime and we were talking about this for a while, and I'm at the point now where I feel like I've sort of conquered everything that I used to do before and taken the, and taken it and owned it again. And I'm, I, I make it a point to stay on top of things, but also you can call it lazy, you can call it demotiv- demotivated or whatever you want, but I, I always spend a good portion of every day reflecting on what I'm doing with my life and what I'm doing with myself and how I'm treating others so that I can really not make the same mistakes again and really find out what I want to get out of everything that I'm doing. You know, it's really important. It's really important to do that. And, And I can't really make the connections instantly. Like while I'm floating, something will happen while I'm floating and I won't realize what happened until I don't know when, a week or two later, a month later, and I won't really recall on that until something has happened in my life when I make the connection. Like, oh, man, wow, that was amazing. So if you, like, stumble upon a, a fire-breathing dragon in a few weeks, <laughs> you'll make the connection and be like, okay, I get it. I get yeah. it. Thank you, universe. Thanks for letting me know ahead of time. So you'll know to, like, walk around the corner so you don't bump into it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly like that. <laughs> you know, it's true because I often tell people – that the effects of a float will will percolate up. Uh, there was somebody yesterday, I think, who floated or the day before, where he, he he was saying something along the lines of, I don't know exactly what happened in there, but I think it was something good. And I think he's 
he was reflecting on his future as a young guy and he was thinking about what am I going to do with my future? And I, I explained to him, I pulled, pulled, put my hands together and I said, when you float, you're like stretching your mind in the way that you create, you stretch the pores in the mind. You know, one can think of it that way so that things can actually percolate up through the pores in the mind. When we're not doing things to slow down, we make everything really tight. And when we slow down, the mind can just kind of stretch open and, and that allows things to percolate up. And even myself, when I, when I do dream analysis and I, I write my dreams down a lot, I look at my dreams, it might take like a month or two before a particularly poignant dream might start to take on some, some real life context. And I'll look back and I'll be like, okay, I can see how that dream or those dreams were pointing me in this direction and it just starts to click mm-hmm. and even even getting into floating and getting into the work that I teach about on, on programming and so forth was largely through dreams that took a while to actually make sense mm-hmm. and, and when you mentioned the part about taking time every day to reflect it reminds me I think of Napoleon Hill or someone that I was reading about recently who said that Martin Luther King used to often spend a few hours a day praying or, or in some kind of mindful prayer, whether it was meditation. He spent a lot of time doing that because he recognized the power of it. And I think Gandhi did as well. Just, just people who, these are examples of people who are really powerful people who had a huge impact on the world. When you think about Martin Luther King and his legacy and how he continues to impact people through what he did, to think that he spent a few hours a day praying, being inactive. Taking, We're going to do part two here because we lost uh, something before. But anyways, when we think about uh, Martin Luther King and, and that, like, it's, it's interesting to think that slowing down actually makes us go faster and makes us more impactful, but, but I agree that it does, and it's something that our culture doesn't always support. Moving forward? Slowing down. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the slowing down part. <laughs> I had somebody come in who got a gift certificate for her husband, and... She came in today and she said, I don't know if he's going to be able to slow down. He, he wakes up in the middle of the night like, and starts trading and all this kind of stuff. He just lives a really fast-paced life. And I said, well, it's, all, it's going to benefit him to slow down. But she's just like, I don't, I don't know if he's going to do it. I said, well, you know, we'll, we'll find out. But that's part of what, what uh, my job is, is to just help people, educate people as, as to why. When, when you started to do this practice of just reflecting and so forth, what inspired you to do it? Is this something you've done for a long time? Or? Uh, reflecting? On occasion, maybe. But it wasn't like... Uh, I, I didn't make it a point to, to do it. I just... I sort of started reflecting. I, I only reflected before on certain things when really major events would happen in my life. And I didn't think really that was enough because you only... It doesn't do you anybody any good really to only correct yourself when something bad happens 
or something major happens. I think it's necessary to keep everything in balance by reflecting at least some time every day because that's that's really how you're going to prevent worse things from happening, you know? And I believe that. I believe that. You went through, as you mentioned before, a difficult time this, like, last spring and summer. Mm-hmm. And I can sense that you're through a, a big portion of, of what was going on. Of course, we always have a lot of work to do. But what has, like, things like floating and slowing down, what role has that played for you in getting through a lot of that stuff? Um, I think floating was totally, it was one of the only things that was totally detached from whatever situation I was going through that I can go to and go do and just say to myself, like, oh, man, finally, this is something that I can do that I can just totally remove myself from whatever is going on in my life right now. And it was really like, it wasn't like a savior or anything like that, but it was just something that I can do that can really, because of what it is, take my mind off of it, but also just to, it was like a, a nice escape from everything that was going on. That's really the, the biggest role that it played. Yeah, that's that's a huge, huge thing. People who come here are going through all sorts of things, mm-hmm. and every float is different. No float is ever the same. But sometimes a float can be just like that. It's just like, let me just go into the darkness. Let me go into almost like this cave-like place and just unplug from everything because sometimes everything out here can become a little bit too much at times in a person's life. And if they just can go into a place where this external reality disappears for a time, that can be a great relief. Sometimes it can be a little bit uh, challenging for people because as much as they might be frustrated with what's going on in their life, to make everything disappear can be difficult because it's almost like I was talking to a guy yesterday who came in and we were talking about addictions and I was thinking how like people also get addicted or accustomed to frustration. And, uh, but absolutely like there are times for me when it's just like, I can't wait to go into the dark and just detach from everything. That's funny because every time that I come here now, like obviously the first time I came here, I didn't know what to expect. And I thought like, I was going to do some yoga meditation type thing inside of there, right? And nothing against yoga. I practice yoga and I love it. But um, (laughs) now, every time I come here, before I come here, I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to go float. They're going to be so exciting. And it's like I think about that and it sounds really dumb to (laughs) call it that but it's really it's really something that's worth getting excited over it is exciting and that's that's what's so funny people think oh why would you ever do that but i (laughs) I tell people it's like youtube but capital y-o-u it's you tube Mm -hmm. i mean it's literally like watching ourselves on television (laughs) yeah yeah i guess you could say that it makes complete perfect sense but, but that's the other trick is that people are surprised to learn there's so much going on in their mind. The, the interesting mm-hmm. stuff is not – granted, other people are interesting. Life is interesting. But looking within and seeing like, geez, do I really think that? That's kind of cool. The best way to hear what's going on is to turn down the volume. Yeah, I exactly. Guess, yeah. Interpret that as you may. But 
That's a good one. I'm going to write that down. I'll give you credit. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put it on Facebook. <laughs> I usually take down, whenever somebody says something like brilliant or anything hilarious, I always take it, write it down in my notes on my iPhone or on my iPad or something. And I always look back and I read it and I just laugh or giggle to myself or like, man, that was a great quote. It reminds me of a guy who also came by yesterday who made an appointment for himself and his wife and he told me he's an avid meditator mm-hmm. and he was saying like basically kind of like yeah i got this you know like i'm an avid meditator and my wife isn't so it'd be interesting to see what she experiences and i said well it'd be interesting to see what you experience as well i said because this isn't quite the same thing and uh because this is like meditation but without a floor and without sometimes knowing where the hell a person is or who they are mm-hmm. at times i even Get, I get to this point sometimes where I'm just like, for just a millisecond, I'm like, who am I? Like, it, there's there's just like this awareness, but I forget the identity. Mm-hmm. Has that ever happened to you? Not like that, but I've woken up or just sort of like came back into being and I was like, oh man, where where am I? I, I actually didn't know where I was. I just yeah. couldn't figure it out. I was like, oh yeah, okay, all right. I'm in a float tank in Westport, Connecticut. And that means that... And my name is Devon, and I'm, you know, yes. I'm a brother. And, yes. And, but it's good because if we can unplug that much, where for a second we forget where we are, that means that we let go. And if we can let go in the float tank, then it helps us start to let go in out here. And that gets back to what you were talking about with this integration that what happens in there happens out here. What's happening out here happens in there, but in there, when we're in, when we're floating, there's a spaciousness, like a detachment from what's going on out here. Like those places where we're locked in to situations or uh, locked in a certain way and relating to people, it gets like, it's, it gets slippery. Mm -hmm. And so we can kind of like shift it a little bit. And if we do that in there, then the same mind that went in if it adjusts a little bit, well, then it comes out adjusted, kind of like a chiropractic adjustment. Mm-hmm. No offense to chiropractors. I like chiropractors. <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, say that in my commercial for my, uh, my, my business group next week. I'm going to call. <laughs> I'm going to say that floating is like a mental chiropractic adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I hope people understand that. Well, if they don't, then they can always ask. (laughs) Or go float. (laughs) They can go float, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. But there are people who come who are avid meditators who find floating challenging. And I think part of it is that we can all get caught up in thinking like we've got it all figured out. Like sometimes we can master something. Like, for example, for you, it might be like training, physical training. And sometimes when we master something or like meditation, we're like, oh, I've got it all figured out. But there's lots of different types of meditation and there's even lots of different types of yoga. And each yoga challenges people in a different way. I used to study with Gurmukh, who is a big Kundalini yoga teacher out in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. mostly in Los Angeles. And she talked about, this is like, 10 or 12 years ago, how she went to this conference and and she was, I think the only Kundalini yoga person there. And people went into her class and like this one really athletic fit yoga 
teacher went up to Gramuk afterwards and she just said, your class totally kicked my ass. She's like, thank you so much. <laughs> it was a different kind of yoga in, mm-hmm. in floating. Floating is different from meditation. It's, uh, it's not better. It's not worse. It's, it's complimentary. But it challenges the uh, places where we control, I think, more mm-hmm. because, uh, because we're challenged to unplug in that way. Agreed. Agreed. Well, well, this is good. I'm glad that um, that you were able to to come here. The last thing I just want, wanted to ask you about was uh, training. And as a trainer, do you think that floating is beneficial as well? Do you find do you find it helps your body at all? Um, I do, I do, because. While I'm inside there, this is something that I can actually do for myself because of the way you're floating and you're not sinking in the water. You can't actually, it's like, it's, it's interesting. I actually noticed how elastic the body really is. Like if you, if you turn your body one way and then you let go, you'll actually spring back and go back and forth for a few seconds. And then you can, you can tell where certain parts of your body are tight, but just by the way your arm, like if you have your arms above your head in the water, and one will be higher than your head or lower than your head, you can tell, you can sort of pinpoint which parts of your body are tight, and you can even feel which parts of your body have pain just because just because you're floating inside there. And you don't really notice what's going on while you're walking throughout the day. You're not really paying attention to it. So you're sort of giving yourself the time to really take a look and feel your what's going on inside of your own body and say, all right, I have this pain here, I have this pain here. And many times I've been able to do that while I'm inside the tank. Cool. Yeah, there are other trainers and stuff who come here and uh, find it helpful. And I find it helpful for my body too. I do think there's like, the, again, it's the mind-body connection. As our mind slows down, our body slows down. And I was reading on Facebook, I think it was the Float House. So maybe it was it was uh, Mike Sarimba at the Float House out in Vancouver, he he wrote that he had asked Peter Sudfeld, who's a researcher in floating, what do scientists know? Why is it that floating helps reduce chronic physical pain? And the researcher, uh, Peter Sudfeld, just said, we have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know how it does that. <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, is, is that's okay. It's okay to not know. That's a really good scientist when a scientist can say, okay, we actually don't know that. Because there's a lot that we don't know about what goes on in the world, including in ourselves. So, But I think that why it happens doesn't really matter. What's important is that it happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that it alleviates uh, pain. But uh, anyways, well, thank you for, for being on my podcast. Anything else you'd like to say to the uh, float world? Yeah, everybody needs to float immediately because it is the best thing you can possibly do for your life. I disagree. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Come float. Come float, everybody. All right. We'll see you at the next iFloat podcast. Be there and uh, float onward. Thank you.